What's up, babes? And as the puck drops, the words that DC fans have been waiting to hear since 1974, the Washington Capitals are the 2018 Stanley Cup champions. It's not a dream. It's not a desert mirage. It's Lord Stanley, and he is coming to Washington. Welcome back to Japers Rink Radio. I'm your host, Adam Stringham, and today I'm happy to be joined by Adam Vingan of The Athletic. How you doing, Adam? Good, Adam. How are you? I'm doing doing well. You know, it's uh, it's nice to talk again. I think it, it. I mean, you and I were just talking before that it had been probably three or four years before we last talked. And uh, man, no no better time than now to get you on. Uh, you have a pretty unique insight on this situation. Yeah, it it has been a while. Uh, it, it is hard to believe that it is it has been more than five years since I moved to Nashville. Um, but. Uh, Time ha- has certainly flown, a- and you are correct that I, I do have, a, I guess you can say, a unique perspective on the Capitals' recent hiring of Peter Laviolette, uh, since I-, I did cover the Capitals for a few years, and of course I, I covered Peter uh, for most of the past five years here in Nashville. Now, uh, you talked about this in the article that you had on The Athletic last week with uh, you and Tarek put out together, but... Uh, how was dealing with, with Peter Laviolette from a media perspective? I imagine that that might have been a bit different from what you had here in Washington. Certainly, uh, Capitals fans have been spoiled by the likes of Bruce Goudreau and Barry Trotz and Todd Reardon. Um, Peter Laviolette is not cut from the same cloth. Um, he is tight-lipped and fairly old school when it comes to dealing with media and disseminating information. Uh, He is ultra-protective of his players and his game plan, so his press conferences do not tend to be enlightening. Um, That is not to say that you won't learn something, uh, because Peter certainly is a sharp hockey mind, but uh, the... 10 to 15 minute press conferences, Capitals fans were treated to uh, chock full of excellent anecdotes. Uh, the, the ones that they received from Bruce a, a, and Barry and Todd to an extent, you're not going to get those um, in, in Washington now. Um, so I, I think uh, while I certainly understand Peter's um, reasoning behind being so tight-lipped, I do, and I, this is something I touched on in the article you mentioned with Tarek. I do believe that it can sometimes work to his detriment. And, and to give you to give you an example, that was not the one I used in the story you're referencing. In the 2017 Stanley Cup Final, the Predators played the Pittsburgh Penguins, and they were down two nothing in the series after two games in Pittsburgh. Pecorine did not have uh, good games in either game. Game two was particularly uh, bad. Um, And after the game, there were a lot of questions about whether or not Peter would turn to Pekka again in game three in Nashville or if he would go with the untested rookie UC Soros. 
in that position. And Peter uh, did not uh, directly answer the question. And the issue, of course, was that there were two full off days in between games Mm -hmm. two and three. So there was an extra day without a game to fuel the news cycle. And of course, for the national and international media that had descended upon Nashville and Pittsburgh for the series, the number one topic of conversation was, is Pecorine going to be your goaltender in game three? And Peter would never give a direct response. Now, of course, Pekka does come in in game three, plays an excellent game. And then after the game, I believe it was actually Tom Galitti, who works for NHL.com and is based in Washington, asked Peter if it was a difficult decision to go back to Pekka in game three. And Peter chuckled and said it was never a di- it was never a decision at all. It was you, the media, that was pushing this. We never lost faith in Pecorine. And in my own mind, I, I, I sort of scoffed at that just because if Peter would have said after game two or even the day after game two, Pecorine is our goaltender, he will start game three, the news, the news cycle would have been dead. But Peter's refusal to answer that question perhaps as a way to protect Pekka, perhaps as a way to protect his game plan, fueled a storyline for two days that he then uh, chastised the media for for fueling. So uh, I do believe there is a downside to being so um, to being so um, restrictive uh, with the media. Um, but uh, I, I do think that ultimately Peter's number one priority is to protect his players and to protect his game plan yeah it's nice to have a coach that's so focused upon winning uh obviously that that, that's what the fans want and um it's been obviously washington's in a bit of a different place now as a franchise as as where they were when when you were covering the team um it certainly was refreshing to see in laviolette's kind of introduction talking about how he viewed the Capitals as a winning franchise. And I think people would have really laughed at that if it had been in a press release a few years ago, or, or, or they at least would have scoffed. So um, what do you think Laviolette brings to the Capitals in terms of on the ice that's going to help this team win? Um, I, I know, again, I keep referencing this article. Um, he's thought of more as a defensive-minded coach, but when, when Barry Trotz came in, there were some concerns that he would suppress the offense. Is, is there any concern about that coming for with uh, Laviolette? Well, I think Peter is more of a, a balanced coach than a defensive-minded coach. Uh, and, and to reference the article, in 451 games under Laviolette, the Predators averaged 2.94 goals per game, which was eighth most in the league over that span. Uh, their 905 five-on-five goals were sixth most. So offense was not an issue necessarily uh, in Nashville uh, under Peter Laviolette. Of course, Nashville has, has historically been known as a team built on its defense and goaltending. Peter attempted to change that narrative um, by putting more emphasis on the offense, taking some more risks offensively, getting the defenseman more active in the offense. And of course, I perhaps, you know, the, the ascension of Roman Yossi to Norris trophy winner a few days ago, uh, certainly is an example of that players like Roman Yossi, Ryan Ellis, Matias Ekholm, when he was here, PK Subban, you know, certainly all benefited from having a little bit, uh, more of a green light, uh, to facilitate offense. Um, 
without necessarily um, without um, forgetting about their defensive responsibilities um, as well as the entire team defense concept. Um, so when I look at the Capitals versus the Predators, you know, one thing that Peter will have in in Washington that he did not have in Nashville, and, and the same could be said of Barry Trotz when he moved from Nashville to Washington, is the caliber of forwards in Washington is much higher. The Predators do not have players to the caliber of Alex Ovechkin, Nicholas Backstrom, Evgeny Kuznetsov, Tom Wilson, TJ Oshie, etc. They do have good forwards, Philip Forsberg, Victor Arvidsson, Ryan Johansson, Matt Duchesne, but they, I, I don't think they are in the same tier as any of the players I mentioned in Washington. So I am curious to see how much different Peter is in terms of how much he gets the defense in Washington involved in the offense. Of course, John Carlson can play that role, Dmitry Orlov. Um, but I, I wonder if those players will be given more opportunity with the puck. Um, I, I, I'm, I'm sure Peter does not want to take the puck out of the forward's hands, especially when you see how productive and, and proficient they can be at scoring. Um, so I, I don't expect there to be um, any um, significant change, I guess, in uh, you know the, the defensive structure of, of the Capitals. Certainly, um, Peter will be different than Todd Reardon, um, but I, I am curious just to see how Peter's system and what he prefers from an X's and O's standpoint changes now that he has more talented forwards at his disposal. Now, kind of the Capitals are still somehow extending their window. Uh, you know, as I'm sure you remember, the when when Brian McClellan came on, there was talk of the two to three year window that the Capitals truly had to be successful. Um, they've managed to keep it going. They've won the cup, um, and now they need players, primarily Jacob Vrana, to take that next step to extend it. They need a return of Evgeny Kuznetsov to form and Vrana to really step up and become an elite scorer. Um, how do you think that Laviolette has done with, with young players trying to get them to that next level, especially when they might be struggling with confidence a little bit after a, another poor postseason for, for Verona? Well, I certainly think that was one of his strengths early on in Nashville. So when he came to Nashville in 2014, the, the Predators, like Barry Trotz, when he left for Washington, had never been out of the second round. And they certainly had veterans on their team, Mike Fisher, Shea Weber, uh, most notably. But a lot of the players who are now core members of the Predators roster you know, were unproven young players when Peter got there. And, and I'm thinking of Philip Forsberg, Ryan Ellis, Matthias Ekholm, Roman Yossi. Um, and over, over the course of the next couple of years, you add in Victor Arvidsson, uh, you know, Ryan Johansson was still in his mid-20s uh, when he was traded to Nashville in 2016. So Peter inherited a young group, and all of those players came of age under Peter Laviolette. The development of those players, particularly the defensemen, and to an extent, Philip Forsberg, you know, Peter Laviolette had a lot to do with that. Um, so when it comes to dealing with Evgeny Kuznetsov, uh, who had a down season, and, and Jacob Brana, who who has had decent regular seasons, but has not really been a productive 
postseason player. You know, Peter can certainly draw from the experiences in Nashville, inheriting a young group and, and taking them to heights they had never before seen. Um, so I think when it comes to Kuznetsov and Rana in, in, in particular, I do think Peter's most recent experience helping along the core members of the Predators will come in handy. That's great. The, the Capitals took the second most penalties in the league last year during the regular season, or they were shorthanded the second most times. Um, kind of taking a lot of penalties has been a consistent problem with this team over the last four or five years. Um, it was a problem under sometimes under Barry Trotz, and it continued under Todd Reardon. Um, what do you think Laviolette can do to get that kind of under control, or or does he do that? Well, do you think it's just a product maybe of a system, or, or is this a player discipline issue? Yeah, that's a good question. It, it's hard. It's hard to say, uh, just because I haven't watched the Capitals a, a, as closely over the past five years as I did previously. But uh, the, the penalty kill typically was not an issue in Nashville. Uh, it was the power play uh, that was that was an issue, um, especially two seasons ago. The or I guess last season, the 2018-19 season, when it was the worst in the league. Um, but in terms of penalty kill, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but typically the Predators were an average to above average penalty killing team almost every season Peter was here. Um, so I'm not exactly sure how he will change the, the overall, uh, total, uh, of penalties that the Capitals have been taking. Um, but certainly, uh, the penalty kill, um, should not be an issue for him. If, if you're killing enough of the penalties, I guess it doesn't matter if you don't have very good discipline. Uh, right. you know, it used to feel like the Capitals didn't need to draw that many because they could score so many. Um, you talked about how the Predators' power play has been a struggle. Uh, the Capitals last year had, for them, an uncharacteristically bad power play. I think they were still north of 20%, but this is a team that, that typically is in the top five in the league. Um, so I guess Caps fans shouldn't be looking to Laviolette to right the ship for them on that front. Well, I think the, 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 the Capitals power play, certainly we know how, how incredible it can be. And I'm, and I'm curious to see if, if Peter makes any changes or if it's not broke, don't fix it. And when you have Alex Ovechkin in the left circle, now the Predators ended up finishing tied for 24th on the power play this season, but they were last in the league um, last season. Um, and one thing about the Predators power play, which I don't think should be an issue with the with the Capitals power play, you know, one thing that Peter Laviolette would tend to uh, lean on. Um, first of all, he you know, the Predators were one of the few teams up until this past season to still use two defensemen on the power play instead of four forwards and one defenseman. Um which you know, I think the league is moving towards more of the fo- the four forwards, one defenseman uh, setup, and because of that, um, and, and because of that, the um, you know a lot of their shots uh, relied a lot of their power play opportunities uh, they relied on slap shots from the point, low percentage shots, and they were hoping for second chance opportunities. And if they didn't come, um, it was a lot of one and done. Um, so a lot of low percentage shots. Um, I don't think that should be an issue uh, for the Capitals um, with the with the bumper position and Alex Ovechkin uh, in the left circle. 
Um, but I will be curious to see, uh, you know, who Peter puts in charge of the power play um, because his right-hand man, Kevin McCarthy, um, who was in charge of the power play, ended up having those responsibilities stripped from him during the 18-19 season. And last year, the Predators hired an assistant coach, Dan Lambert, to run the power play. McCarthy, quote-unquote, consulted on the power play, but he was not in charge of it anymore. So if McCarthy were to join the Capitals coaching staff, I would be curious to see if Peter would give those responsibilities back to Kevin. That's really interesting. Um, I misspoke earlier, too. The Capitals actually finished last year at 19.4%, so, uh, which for them was was certainly below expectations. Um, we we kind of talk a bit about what brings people into the stands, right? We talk about Ovechkin. Uh, we talk about goals and winning, right? Winning always brings fans. Um, Capitals fans were used to an exciting style of play under Bruce Boudreau. Um, Barry Trotz brought a lot of winning here, so it didn't quite matter if they weren't playing quite the up-tempo game that they had in the past. Um, what do you think a Capitals coach or a Laviolette coached Capitals is going to look like on the ice? Are we going to see an exciting team here or is it going to be a lot of uh, nail biters? Well, that, that's a good question. I, you know, certainly Predators fans, uh, when, when Peter first got here, uh, the difference between the team they were cheering for under Barry Trotz and the team they were cheering for under Peter Laviolette were quite different. Um, the games became a lot more exciting, a lot more high scoring. Um, so I, I would expect, I, I wouldn't expect too much of a change in the entertainment value. Peter Laviolette, uh, you know, is an aggressive coach. He wants his teams to take, take risks, um, offensively to create. Um, of course, as I said, he does not want them to take those risks, um, by sacrificing too much defense. Uh, but if the opportunity is there to, to, to put the puck on net and to take a rush, then go for it. So I, I wouldn't expect I would I, I would expect the, the, the predator, excuse me, the Capitals to remain a, a very entertaining team. I'm not expecting them to become a lockdown team or a, or a quote unquote boring team. I, I expect them to maintain that level uh, of offensive aggression. That's great. I mean, when you have the kind of talent that you mentioned the Capitals having up front, you, you want to see um, those guys play in a system that's going to get the most out of them. And that might be a, a quicker system or one where they're allowed to take more chances. Um, when it kind of comes down to it from, from the outside, obviously you said you haven't been watching the Capitals as much. But when you looked at that team and how they kind of really struggled against the Islanders in the first round of the playoffs or Maybe it was the second round. I don't know what to call it anymore, but the round that they lost in, um, the non-lottery round, what did you think that team was missing? The qualifying, yeah. What what did you think that they were missing? I thought they were missing the structure uh, that that Barry Trotz had instilled. And and the Predators can relate because I feel like near the end of Peter Laviolette's tenure here in Nashville, they were missing that structure too. Um, I, from afar, it just seemed that the, the, that the, 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 the structure all over the ice that, that Barry had implemented slipped under Todd that, and I just feel, you know, that I, I feel like Peter is closer to Barry in that regard than to Todd. Um, so I, I just, I just saw a team that quite frankly, I'm not sure they, I mean, not to say that they didn't know what they were doing, but you know, the one thing about a Barry Trotz coach team and the Capitals know this quite well, and, and you saw it with the Islanders, is that you know what you're going to get every night. I felt like with the Capitals, 
under Todd, that was not the case. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think with Peter, it will, it will allow the Capitals to get closer to what Barry was able to do in that regard. That reminds me, I mean, it's, it's a bit off topic, but it reminds me of the, um, of the identity things that kind of Barry Trotz was so big on, right? The team building, uh, legs being the wolf, will over skill, all, all of those kind of catchy slogans he went with over the years. Um, it seemed like Trotz was really well liked by his players, um, although at times, you know, he could be stern. Uh, what sort of things do, do you expect from LaViolette? Is he a kind of a rah-rah guy? Is he going to uh, get all these guys together and take them to the Naval Academy like, like Barry did, or is he much more kind of a, it's your, you know, each of these guys is a professional knows their job and we just get together and play the games or, or how does he do in team building? Uh, it's certainly something that he puts emphasis on. Um, and one thing that I am really interested to see is Peter Laviolette, as one player told me that played for, for both Barry and Peter in Nashville uh, that Peter is, in his words, a motivational speaker who's also a coach. <laughs> you know, Peter, you've seen the clips on 24-7, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. Peter knows, you know, when to when to get in his team's face. He, he knows when to, to say certain things. His, his players certainly feel motivated by his words and the things that he is able to come up with to, to get them into, uh, into, you know, get them in game mode. Um, he certainly does emphasize the team building. Um, you know, he he likes to foster a familial atmosphere, um, not just among the players, but their families as well. Um, so certainly, um, you know, there is there is a bit of independence, I, I think, with with players and coaches. And Peter uh, Peter falls under that category, but he does very much want to build a, a family atmosphere within his organization. That's great. Um, you know, it, it's not often as in, I'm not even sure the last time it has happened that a Stanley cup winning head coach has gone on to another franchise to win. Um, I think maybe Scotty Bowman was the last guy to do it. What about Peter Laviolette in Washington could be different? Oh, that's a good question in terms of what he might do differently. I'm really just trying to get you to give fans the optimism for why is this going to be different? It seems like over time, just in the league, and there's a lot of luck in hockey, guys aren't able to to kind of strike gold twice. Why can right. Peter Laviolette in Washington, why can he get back to that promised land with a different organization? Well, he is one of four coaches in NHL history to take three separate franchises to the Stanley Cup final. Um, he, he has won one Stanley Cup. Um, in Carolina, but also took the Philadelphia Flyers uh, to the cup final in 2010 when they lost to the Blackhawks and the Predators in 2017 when they lost to the Penguins. Um, so, so he, you know, he must be doing something right. And, and the thing about Peter, and this is something that's been mentioned a lot um, since he was hired, you know, he has a, a proven track record uh, of turning around underachieving teams in short order. Mm-hmm. Um, the Predators, for example, missed the postseason, their final two seasons under, under Barry Trotz. Their first season under Peter Laviolette, they were challenging for the President's Trophy in the final month of the regular season. I think they were the uh, best They were the best team in the league at the All-Star break because I remember he, he coached, one of, the, he coached the te- one of the teams at the All-Star game, which is usually given to the best coach on you know, whatever conference or whatever division. Um, so they, 
you know, he turned that team around very quickly. He did the same with the Islanders. Uh, he did the same with the Flyers. He did the same with the Hurricanes. Um, you know, Peter has his warts, but for whatever reason, he knows how to come into a new team and get them to buy in immediately. And for the Capitals, understanding that they don't have that much time with this core group, since Alex Ovechkin and Nicholas Backstrom and TJ Oshie are not getting any younger, Brayden Holpe looks like he's about to leave. Um, I, I think Peter was the right coach. If Brian McClellan and Ted Leonsis are trying to get a Stanley Cup out of this group in the next year or so, Peter was probably the best coach on the market who could do that for them based on his uh, his record of success. Yeah, it's, it's really interesting how it seems like um, Laviolette and Elaine Vigneault just seem to go into these teams and they just, uh, you know, go on a barn burner for the next season or two. And um, it's in, I'm interested to see kind of how the shelf life for these two guys um, goes forward. But Adam, what else have we not talked about that you think Capitals fans should should know or would want to know about having Laviolette move over to Washington? Yeah. heard a lot. Um, you know, certainly um, I think Capitals fans will be happy that Peter is a proven coach. Um, uh, you know, I understand why the, the Capitals promoted Todd Reardon when Barry left. Um, but the the rookie coaches with no previous NHL coaching experience thing, you know, has had its hits and misses in Washington. I mean, Bruce, of course, uh, you know, did a great job, you know, bringing the Capitals back into the conversation. Um, you know, Dale Hunter, you know, was only a of a season. Um, you know, Adam Oates certainly. Uh, you know, that was an interesting time. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> uh, so, you know, I, I think having somebody who's been there and done that will be good for this group. You know, I don't think, I mean, Peter doesn't have to do a lot of motive. I mean, he will, but he doesn't have to do a lot of motivating. Um, this group is already very motivated, I'm sure, after what's happened the past couple of years. So I, 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 I'm just very curious to see, not that he hasn't done it before, but you know, this is a dressing room that's won a Stanley Cup in in the past two seasons. A lot of older players, a lot of celebrated players. Uh, I am curious to see how he does with that dressing room, and if he feels if he does if, if he feels the need to be as much of a motivator as he normally is, or if he feels like this this is a group that can be uh, a, a bunch of self starters. So uh, I am interested in that. Yeah, I am as well. Yeah. Uh, Adam, I, I got to ask last question. Is there any story from your time in Washington that maybe you haven't told or haven't told in a long time that you think would be interesting for, for our listeners? <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm trying to think. Um, let's see. Oh, okay. So, so early on in the season, um, Early on in the 2018-19 season, excuse me. So it was October of 2018. The Predators uh, were going on a, um, a Western Canadian road trip. And they were um, challenged by Peter Laviolette uh, to, to sweep the road trip. I believe they went to Cal- – I think it was to Calgary and Edmonton. It was just – it was back-to-back games. Um and and in this and the deal was that if they were able 
to win both of those games. Conduct his media availability in Edmonton after they won both games wearing a bull mask, and it, it, it was about it was a, he was telling the story about Bushwhacker, which is one of these um, you know champion uh, uh, professional bulls that you know that you see on PBR, um, and he used Bushwhacker a, as a as a as a metaphor for what he was hoping for from the Predators. Uh, you know, sort of a take no prisoners attitude. Um, so, so, so he comes out of the dressing room in Edmonton, and Peter played it straight. You know, he he answered the questions as he normally would, but he was wearing this, you know, scary Halloween type furry <laughs> mask um, while doing the interviews. It was it was really funny, um, and, and that's one thing that you know Peter does. You know, he he has these ways of motivating his players. Um, he's a very serious guy on the outside, but when he does loosen up, um, you know, his players certainly like that. So I just remember seeing him do, uh, you know, a completely serious media availability wearing a, a bull's head um, over his face. So maybe you'll get that in Washington. You know, uh, uh, maybe, maybe these press conferences are not going to be as boring as you let on at the beginning of the uh, of the interview here. Maybe maybe that will be exciting after all. <laughs> yeah. Maybe I remember. I also remember. Uh, I think it was a game right before the Christmas break. Um, it was also a Western Canadian road trip, and the Predators went three and zero. So for the final game of the trip in Dallas, Peter and his coaching staff wore tacky Christmas suits, um, and Peter had like a a, a plaid. A, a, he had he had a plaid like a red plaid suit with a red vest. Um, Kevin McCarthy wore like a, like a Christmas tree lined suit jacket. So they know how to have fun. Yeah. It sounds that way. I mean, it's, it's an exciting time in Washington. I I think, uh, the change was, was needed and I think it will be great for the team moving forward. Adam, I I appreciate you taking the time to join me today. Um, why don't you tell our listeners kind of where they can find you and, um, you know, get, get all the great predators coverage that you put out all the time. Sure, you can you can find me at the Athletic. Uh, you know, I, I cover the Predators now, but I, I certainly um, you know dabble in other league-wide um, storylines as well. So the Athletic NHL page is, is where to go. Um, I'm also on Twitter at Adam Bingen. Um, I think many uh, people from my days in Washington might still follow me. So if you do, thank you. Um, and yeah, so. That's, uh, you know, that's, uh, I will be watching the, the Capitals, um, which I continue to do. I will watch them with a, with a closer eye this coming season to see how Peter does. Awesome. Thanks, Adam. Yeah, thank you, Adam.